Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Carr from the gun takes a snap. Has all day. Good pocket. Fires. Caught. And there is Deshaun Jackson down the sideline. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown. Las Vegas. That's why they picked up Deshaun Jackson. And he burned the Cowboys with a huge touchdown to start this game. Oh, baby. On its way. Yes. The Raiders come up a winner. Upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving afternoon. 36-33. And they snap the three-game losing streak and jump right back into the thick of playoff talk. Oh, yes. Right back into the thick of the playoff race. The Raiders needed to get to 6-5. and five. We've been talking about that and talking about that the last couple of weeks. I don't think it happened quite the way a lot of people thought it would happen. Uh, I think a lot of people thought they would beat the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see what happens against the Dallas Cowboys. They reversed it, but they got there to 6-5. and five. And as Rich Passaccia t- said today, uh, upon my question to him at the practice facility in Henderson, the Raiders are right in the thick of things, and that's indisputable. They've got six games left, everything in front of them, including the division championship. Still uh, a game and a half out of it uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, but time enough to make up that ground, including a game with the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to get all into it, what that win over the Dallas Cowboys meant, uh, both from a strategic standpoint, which I think we all saw a lot of things in that game that are very, very promising moving forward to Sean Jackson, Marcus Mariota, uh, Derek Carr getting back on track, the wide receivers getting back on track. There's a lot to like about what the uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders showed on Thursday. Now they got to bottle it up and maintain it and keep pushing this thing forward. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday after a long, it seems like it's been forever since we were together, uh, but it's just been, what, four or five days or so? Just seems like it's been longer than that. But welcome back. Hope everybody had a safe and great Thanksgiving weekend. I know the Raiders did, obviously, uh, and I know Raider Nation thoroughly enjoyed that win. Uh, I was there, uh, obviously, at AT&T Stadium in, in Arlington, Texas uh, on Thursday. And if you heard, I don't know if you were listening uh, closely enough uh, on that call by Brent Musburger, obviously the Hall of Famer Brent Musburger, along with our partner, uh, Lincoln Kennedy, uh, his sidekick in the booth there at AT&T Stadium. Did you hear how many Raider fans were cheering uh, after that kick. Yes, Raider Nation rolled into AT&T Stadium uh, on Thursday, and that's no big surprise. And I know we keep talking about it here at Allegiant Stadium, uh, how other fan bases are uh, prominent and prevalent uh, at, at Allegiant Stadium. You know what? The NFL, sports, everything's different nowadays than when I was a kid and, and many others uh, of my listeners. People travel nowadays. The, the thought of, you know, Getting on a plane and and flying someplace to go watch your favorite team play a road game, it was really non-existent when I was a kid, uh, and certainly probably not until like the last 15 years or so where it started becoming a thing, and it beca- it's becoming more and more and more of a thing. And not to mention the fact that the Raiders just have a lot of fans everywhere they go, including in the heart of Texas, but also every plane that I get on uh, to go cover the Raiders on the road, it's always filled with Raider fans, uh, you know, leaving here in Las Vegas to go to the games. Uh, sometimes you stop in Los Angeles. Obviously, there's going to be a slew of Raider fans uh, on those planes. Flying back home, uh, you see him as well. So Raider Nation rolled into uh, AT&T Stadium. It was pretty cool to see. It was a great spectacle. It was a great game. Uh, it drew, what, 38,000, 38, 38, uh, 38 million viewers um, watched in, tuned in. No big surprise, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Those are two blue bloods uh, of the NFL, and people want to watch, and people are interested, and they certainly did. And they were treated to a treat of a game uh, without question. But from the Raiders' perspective, 
What a huge win it was to get to six and five. Uh, got to kind of kick back their their the, a little bit on Sunday and watch what happened. Uh, the rest of the NFL and the rest of the AFC. I'm sure they were keeping an eye on a lot of different games. The Chargers lost. The Browns lost. The Indianapolis Colts lost. There's a log jam right now. Uh, in that AFC playoff race. And it's really not just from one to uh, eight in terms of the seedings, uh, or or excuse me, at the back end of the seedings when you're talking about those wild card spots, but from one to eight, literally. Uh, the Raiders can still do – everything is possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but everything is possible. Everything is in front of the Raiders right now. And in a lot of ways, when you look at their, their schedule – so much of their playoff and postseason fate is in their hands. They obviously are playing the Washington football team on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, a huge game. They got to win. No excuses. You're home. You're playing a team that you should beat, that you're better than. Uh, No excuses not to roll into Allegiant Stadium. Get that thing taken care of as quickly as possible and move on. Because when you look at what's coming, what's looming after that, every team the Raiders play, from here on out, is still alive in the AFC playoff race, is among the teams that they have to deal with uh, and consider and keep an eye on moving forward. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns, the Denver Broncos, the Los Angeles Chargers. Am I missing anybody? I'd have to uh, uh, double-check it. The Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Cleveland Browns. That is perfect for the Raiders. Is it a difficult schedule? It's a difficult schedule. It is what it is. But you want to be a playoff team, you have to go prove that you're a playoff team. And when you think about those teams that I just mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Denver Broncos, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Cleveland Browns, every one of those teams right now, as we speak, has a stake uh, in this playoff race. If the Raiders can take care of business as best as possible, they're going to put themselves in one heck of a spot to claim only their second playoff spot in 19 years. And here's the thing, and we were harping on this and harping on this and harping on this all throughout the three-game losing streak that preceded uh, the win over the Cowboys in Dallas. This isn't a talent situation. The Raiders are every bit as good as pretty much 90% of the teams, 95% of the teams that they're going to play or have played or are in the NFL. The Raiders have a talented roster, even with some of the losses uh, that they've incurred uh, recently. They have one of the more talented rosters or as talented a roster in the NFL. There's nobody that scares them. That There's nobody that intimidates them. There's nobody that has this clear-cut, just flat-out, they're better than the Raiders uh, kind of a roster. It It's not about talent. The Raiders have more than enough talent to win every single game that they play every time they step on the field. What it does come down to and what wasn't happening during the three-game losing streak, they weren't playing efficient football. They weren't playing clean football. They weren't winning the fundamental core principles of football games that you have to win to win football games. Flat out, time of possession, penalties, turnovers, timely turnovers, big plays, Everything was going against the Raiders during those three game losing during that three game losing streak. It was never about talent, though. It was literally self inflicted, shooting themselves in the foot, making life more difficult than it should be for themselves, by themselves, to themselves, unto themselves. And what did we keep saying? Just get back to playing clean football, clean, efficient football. That's what the Raiders did. Yes, a ton of penalties without question. A ton of penalties, but in this case, at least, so did the opposition. More, actually. They won the turnover battle. They won, I want to say they won the time of possession battle. They didn't, when they got into the red zone, they cashed in on the red zone. They got aggressive in throwing the ball deep. There was obviously better chemistry uh, between Derek Carr and Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, what did we talk about going into that game? You felt a lot more comfortable in the offense. It's starting to come. It's headed in the right direction. Well, that paid off on Thursday, and I don't expect that to deviate whatsoever. You've got Deshaun Jackson on the roster. You use Deshaun Jackson. 
And they got to a point, they got it to a point on Thursday where that was a viable uh, and feasible route to go. And look what kind of an effect it had. All of a sudden, it opened up things for everybody. The run game was better. You're forcing teams to contend with that speed. Who had a great game? <laughs> you know, Hunter Renfro had a great game. Zay Jones had his moments. Darren Waller before the injury. We've got a couple updates on, on, on that. Josh Jacobs had probably his best game of the season. It was an efficient offense because they played clean football. They avoided the turnovers. Derek Carr uh, was taking chances down the field. I feel like he's more comfortable now with Deshaun Jackson. And they've got six games to continue to build on that. This could be a very interesting final kick to this season. The Raiders have overcome a lot. They've dealt with a lot. They've, um, you know, stuff that they had no control over, off-field drama, things that were out of their control. It's been one thing after another, and yet when they woke up today at 6-5 and five in, the, in a virtual tie for the last uh, playoff spot, and that's only because the Chargers have beaten them, the Raiders have a chance to uh, take care of that the next time they face them. Uh, I think it's the last game of the season in January. Uh, so th- their fate is really in their hands. It's up to them to take care of business, but if they play football the way they did Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to be in a position to win a lot of games down the stretch. I'm not saying they're going to go 6-0. and That's unrealistic. But I figure getting to 10 wins, 11 wins, should put them in on pretty solid ground. So uh, we'll see. If they play like they did Thursday, uh, they're going to be in a lot of games to win enough games to get into the playoffs. Out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider 27 is online. How you doing, Raider 27? Hey, it's 27. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. It's been a great Thanksgiving, Vinny. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Um, I I hate holidays because you guys take the days off. So it really sucks <laughs> not having my normal Vinny every day let me know. But that's okay. You deserve a day off, my friend. I, I appreciate you that. definitely do deserve that. Um, I want to talk about a couple things real quick. Uh, Darren Waller has an iliotibial uh, injury. I Believe it or not, looking at me, you would never believe it when I say this now, but I used to run a lot. And um, my normal run was like five miles a day before work. And then I, I, I'm a professional woodworker. I was a cabinet maker, so I worked on concrete, lifting heavy stuff, doing that all day. Then I decided to run a marathon, and I did everything that you could do wrong that you can do wrong. And I, I was so jacked up that my last thing before surgery was to go to my chiropractor. He said, oh, I can fix this. you got a bunch of knots in your iliotibial. So I'm like, okay, because we can't do it here. We have to go to the screen room. And he literally took his elbow, and he would run the elbow down that ligament and hit those knots and, and straighten those knots out. And the first time he did it, I thought I was going to pass out. It's a very, very painful injury. Um, I can't run still. This was 20 years ago. I still can't run. There's no way. My ilio, it's not going to happen. Uh, an elite athlete like Darren Waller with an injury that happened from an impact type deal, he's going to recover pretty quick from this. It's going to be maybe three, three, maybe four weeks, but he might play the next game just on a limited basis. You know, so, but I tell you what, you've never felt anything that hurt. It's very, very, very painful. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is I'm really happy about the Dallas win. It made me really excited to see him win. I had to record the game at Thanksgiving dinner with everybody uh, during the game. The thing of it is, is Derek Carr plays really well when teams show him single, single or high safety. He throws the ball all over the place, runs everywhere. Oh, by the way, did you notice the stat where they showed how fast everybody over the weekend ran? And Derek was 19.84 miles per hour, and Deshaun Jackson was 19.04, I think, or something like that. So Derek's faster than Deshaun, huh? (laughs) Well, let's not go that far. Uh, At least on that play, he was. (laughs) Yeah, that play was well, he was probably scared to death. I tell you what, if I had all those guys chasing me, I'd be scared. I'd be running fast too. But um, 
if we can figure out how to throw the ball short over the middle, the middle of the field is where you attack against too deep. So if we can throw crossing routes and short routes over the middle of the field and be patient and figure out how to keep uh, Leatherwood or, or Parker from getting a holding penalty in the middle of all this, we can bring those guys out of that too deep. And then we can go down the field to Deshaun. I appreciate the call, Raider 27. Uh, great points. And, and yeah, and I think, you know, and I, the theme of the day on Thursday for me was uh, complimentary football. The Raiders played complimentary football. In addition to being efficient, obviously, and staying away from turnovers, the penalties are concerning, but it was just a day where the referees were going to call a lot of penalties. Sometimes that happens. Uh, but they played complimentary football. They ran the ball. They threw the ball well. They played good defense. Special teams at times was spectacular, uh, including you know uh, that sequence in overtime where – Daniel Carlson wanting to kick it out of bounds, misses it, uh, leaves it a little bit short, gives the uh, Cowboys a chance to return it. But the return team or the coverage team uh, is Johnny on the spot. Um, I think it was Nate Hobbs uh, makes the tackle at the 13. There's a penalty uh, involved with the uh, with the Cowboys. Now they're starting their overtime draw, uh, drive at the seven-yard line. The defense plays great, forces a, a three and out. The, uh, it's a punt, and the Raiders' offense is able to then move downfield uh, and get in position for Daniel Carlson to kick the game-winning field goal. Yes, there was a penalty uh, involved in, in in all that, but you know, here's the thing. And I've talked to enough coaches; they look at pass interference penalties as completions because, in their mind, if the pass interference penalty doesn't happen, they're completing that pass, and it just shows that when you have speed, when you have good wide receivers and athletic ability, and you take chances downfield you're going to get some of those calls. And the Raiders certainly, once the Cowboys showed that they were having trouble keeping up with Deshaun Jackson and Zay Jones at times, it behooved the Raiders to take chances. Either you're going to complete the pass uh, or you you have a really good chance of getting the flag, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, it was part of their arsenal. It became part of their game plan, basically, uh, to throw deep and see if you can complete it or or get a or get a penalty. So it was smart of the Raiders to continue to continue going to that well. Point being, just in that one sequence in overtime. They showed how important it is and how well they can play when they kind of put it all together in all phases of the game. The kick, the coverage, the defense, the offense, Daniel Carlson kicking the game-winning field goal. That's how you win football games, especially in a critical moment when you have to have it being able to deliver and produce is the difference between winning and losing. And so that sequence to me uh, really showed what the Raiders are capable of doing. And throughout the game, just answering, you know, various punches by the by the Cowboys, um, playing in a hostile environment. Yes, there were a lot of Cowboy, or excuse me, uh, Raider fans, but it was predominantly, obviously, a Cowboy fan, a Cowboy uh, house, and they made their uh, presence known. And it was difficult sometimes, you know, communicating at the line of scrimmage, but the Raiders dealt with that. Um, and, and played what was really a good football game for them, and it put them right back into the thick of things. A loss right there to go to five and six, oh, man, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, they wouldn't be mathematically out of it, but they would have put themselves in a really, really, really um, uh, perilous kind of a position. But they avoided it by playing a good football game, responding on a short week, Going on the road uh, and beating a really good da- uh, Dallas Cowboy team. Yes, I know that the Cowboys were down, and you can't not you know factor that into it. But the bottom line is, you got to go take care of business. Whoever's lining up on the other side, and the Raiders did that to vault back into contention here. And everything that they've worked hard for is right there in front of them, and achievable, achievable. There's nobody on the on 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 the horizon that's so good, so much better than they are. That you're just gonna automatically, you know, put it in the loss column. Nobody, not anybody, on the, re- the the rest of the way, the Raiders can and should be able to compete with everybody they line up against the rest of the season. The key is just playing good, solid, solid, fundamentally sound, crisp, efficient football. They showed they're capable of doing that. They've showed that enough times to know that they can do it. And when they do, they beat everybody that, that you know, uh, they're able to beat anybody on the field with them. 
Just got to keep doing it. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. North Cal Raider is on the line. How you doing, North Cal? Hey, Benny. How you doing? Doing really good. Thank you. Yeah, um, I agree with you um, with your um, what you're saying about the team. Um, there's just little things that they're missing. They're missing, um, you know, they're missing a big back in the end zone to help them score because a lot of our backs are small, you know, and a experienced wide receiver like can help out, um, you know, uh, just Jackson, you know, like something like that's going to help out those young receivers because um, Brian Edwards, he's still he's still a couple of years away from possibly being a little bit better player. He still hasn't contributed that much, you know, but uh, um, I do agree. They're just they're also like um. Whatever happens with this season, you know, if they keep Isacha, um, they just need to go get themselves a offensive savant type of coach, you know, a guy that's going to go in there and and, uh, and really, um, you know, go on a, on a firing streak with these offensive-minded uh, coaches, you know. That's what I prefer. They're just little little things that they can do um, like that um, to make the team look better, you know, and also clean up the penalties because the penalties have been a big problem lately. Uh, that's mostly my thought. Yep, uh, really good call. I appreciate that, uh, North Cal. Definitely, the penalties were an issue again on on Thursday. Um, not quite sure what the referees um, were thinking, uh, but they just felt like they needed to be part of the program <laughs> on Thursday, and they sure were. They combined for uh, two hundred and almost three hundred yards in penalties. Nobody wants to see that. Uh, but I I will say this: you know, watching could could the could you know the referees have not called some of those pass interference, um, you know, uh, infractions. Yeah, they could they could have just swallowed the uh, the flags or kept the flags uh, in their pocket, and nobody would have batted an eye. But the fact is, there wasn't anything that happened uh, on any of those penalties where I was like, ah, that's you know not a good call. There were some fundamental issues, technical or um, uh, technique issues that the Cowboys were just not doing you know you got to turn around and and bat the ball down at some point you have to turn around you can't hold uh you know a player when the ball is in the air blatantly and to me so to me at least on the pass interference calls I thought they were legitimate so um I know you know Jerry Jones had an issue with it the Dallas Cowboys owner he called it throw it throw it up ball um you know you can you can delegitimize it if you want that Jerry Jones did, but it, it did become a factor. The Raiders said, you know what? You guys can't defend our guys, so we're just going to keep throwing it long, and it's going to be on you to either stop it or not, and the Cowboys didn't. So to me, it was it was all uh, fair and all legitimate, and the Cowboys just couldn't keep up with the Raiders' speed on the outside. That's sometimes how it works. You know what else works? is us going out to our good friend Q Myers, who is over at the Underground Lounge over at the Oyo Hotel. Q, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I love being here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Monday Night Football is about to go down. Uh, We have Seattle and the Washington football team. And, Vinny, I think this is real important because the Washington football team is a team that's going to be playing the Raiders next. And so I think it's a really good opportunity to get a good look at this team. Plus, by the way, they're going to be on a short week. So, I mean, this is one of those times that this actually plays into the favor, I think, of uh, Raider Nation. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. And so uh, get the scouting notebook out and start doing the scouting report. Let's all, uh, you know, uh, do it together. And we'll we'll talk about it the rest of this week, what we see uh, tonight from the Washington football team. But I I have a question for you, Q. Okay. Um, Obviously, Jerry Jones, one of the more unique owners (laughs) in the NFL, he holds his own press conferences after games. It's quite the sight to see. Right. Uh, but you heard what he said, um, you know, call, uh, calling out the referees and kind of calling out the Raiders for what they were doing with the throw it up ball. Uh, and he wasn't he too kindly to that tactic by the Raiders. To me, it was smart football. His guys couldn't keep up with the Raiders. So it behooved the Raiders to continue to go to that well and attack that weakness for the Cowboys, where did you fall on what on what happened, and then what Jerry Jones had to say? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if right. if a, if a, if a guy isn't gonna do what he's supposed to do, which is just turn around and locate the ball, even if you don't know where it's at, but you think it's coming your way, turn and look. Right, that's being a DB one hundred and one. And so I I just thought that was silly by Jerry to try to call out the league and call out the officiating and and even call out the Raiders. Oh, they just threw the ball up. Well, guess what? If you can't stop the run, and I call the same run play ten plays in a row, is that me just calling a run play or is that me doing something that you can't stop agreed and the other part of it is um when when they weren't committing the penalties the raiders were completing long passes right so it wasn't like they were just throwing it up on a hope and a prayer they threw it up with every intention of completing it or 
hey, if you can't defend it and you got to do something uh, to make sure it's not completed, then we'll take that as well. It's a strategy. It's something right. that coaches, they look at that as a completion cue. Exactly. It just about is, you know, and being able to stretch the field the way that they were able to do is just, again, it's unbelievable that Jerry Jones, who's been around the league, and he knows, uh, if it had been the Cowboys' favor and they had done that, uh, he would have had no problem with it. Well, the Raiders should have found a way to, you know, turn their head exactly. or do what they're supposed to do. It was just it was just him being sour that, you know, the Cowboys once again lost on Thanksgiving Day at their home and to the Raiders in a game that really honestly shouldn't even been as close as it was, but uh, the Raiders didn't uh, get in the end zone enough, so – uh, eventually they, they had to go to overtime, but he was just he was upset, and like you said, he calls his own media sessions after uh, the games. He's right there in front of the Cowboys locker room, and every media member is hovered around him uh, like, you know, like, like they would in, in a locker room setting. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous, uh, but it is what it is. It's what Jerry does. I mean, you know, the Cowboys are the Cowboys, and that's what they expect to do. So. Absolutely. And now they're in the rearview mirror of the Raiders. Yep. The Raiders are 6-5. and five Q, everything is in front of them. Absolutely. Got to go out and get it, though. Got to go out and get it. Uh, playoff teams don't. They don't have uh, one-game wins and then a loss, and then right. one-game wins and a loss. They go on streaks. So show me. Show me a streak. Win this week against the Washington football team, who you're a better team than, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, you have an opportunity to go out there and get to seven wins. And then you start talking about nothing but AFC opponents following that. So, again, everything is right in front of them, but they've got to go out there and do it as a team. All right, before we get out of here, give us what's up at the Underground at the Oyo Hotel. Yeah, man, here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel, it is going down in a major way. Man, my man Jesse just came here and basically bought out all the Modellos, but there's plenty of drinks flowing. Uh, you can come on by and, and prepare for this game tonight. Seattle and the Washington football team. I have plenty of prizes still left. My man from the 408, Milpitas, California, came and picked up some T-shirts and some koozies and some sunglasses. Well, you could do the same because I still have plenty of stuff to give out to you, even a Hooters 2022 calendar. So if you want to start marking down the dates for next year and things that are important to you, like the Pro Bowl that will be here in Las Vegas on February 6th, the Super Bowl on February 13th, obviously the draft will be here in Las Vegas. If you want to start marking your calendar now, come get a Hooters calendar. Why not? You know, there's a few good sites on there as well. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. I may have, you know, perused through it a little bit first to check it out to make sure it's worthy to hand out. And it is. So I'm trying to hook you up. So come on by and see us. We're at the Underground Lounge. We're going to be here at least until halftime of this game tonight. And uh, we're going to have a good time. It's Monday Night Football, and we do it with Raider Nation Radio 920. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Robert is in San Jose. Robert in San Jose, what's up, brother? Uh, thanks for taking my call, Vinny. Uh, just happened to be watching this morning's uh, first take, and we were breaking the news in regards to all the issues uh, with the Cowboys and COVID. How might that affect the Raiders uh, in regards to Sunday's game? Well, I mean, uh, don't know exactly how it directly affects it. Uh, I think it was Trent Sieg uh, was go- went on the uh, COVID list today. Uh, the Raiders' long snapper. Uh, so you know, we'll we'll see where that where that's headed. Um, but that's the only Raider that I know of right now uh, that uh, that um, I, I can't say that it was directly the effect or or directly affected by what it was going on with Dallas Cowboys. But you know, you have to be careful, and that's why the NFL. Uh, instituted the new rules for the holiday weekend in terms of the masks up and the additional testing uh, and and the extra lengths that they went because they knew that during the holiday with a lot of travel and uh, I'll tell you this being in Texas ain't nobody uh, you know uh, paying attention to any kind of uh, mask there's no mandate in in Texas and that's pretty darn obvious everywhere you went nobody was wearing masks I was befuddled and bemused and a little bit disappointed to be honest with you uh, but hey they do things a little bit differently in Texas and that's their thing uh, I'm not going to get all political about it but um, you know so anyway the NFL did take extra precautions during the holiday weekend uh, or, or week to make sure that they tried to stay on top of this but obviously something got uh, loose in, in in Dallas and and you know they're they're uh, affected by it but as far as the Raiders go as of right now um, you know, just Trent uh, has has gone into the COVID nineteen protocols. Now, uh, are they signing someone to replace this guy? I mean, your your long your snapper is a pretty important position on this team. 
He is, and I think that uh, history has shown uh, when you lose your long snapper, uh, it can it can affect you. Uh, we'll find out. You know, the Raiders are off until Wednesday. Uh, if they are, if they feel like they have to sign somebody, um, I'm sure that'll happen before by the time we get to practice on Wednesday when they when they get back to work. So we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. Uh, without further ado, though, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line. Uh, and welcome in my good friend and teammate colleague uh, over at uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, Vegas Nation, uh, VegasNation.com. Uh, Sam Gordon is on the line. Samuel, first of all, uh, happy Thanksgiving. I uh, hope everything uh, was safe and uh, and great on, on your end. Uh, but welcome to In the Huddle. And what would you think of what you saw on Thursday with the Cowboys and Raiders? What's up, guys? First and foremost, appreciate you having me back. Hope you guys had a, a great holiday um, as well, Vinny, I was I was very surprised. I was very very surprised. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say that I wasn't. I thought with where the Raiders were at offensively, uh, that to go into Dallas with a short week against a very good defensive team, as we know, a team that's been very good defensively this year, uh, and to, to have an offensive showing like that, I thought was a tall task. I didn't see that coming, and, and boy was I wrong. Uh, the playbook has opened up. The Raiders are going down the field. Deshaun Jackson is involved. The running game is clicking. Um, and defensively, you're just opportunistic just enough uh, to make the crucial plays at the crucial junctures, to force punts at key times, to hold teams to, uh, to hold the Cowboys to a field goal instead of touchdowns in certain situations, made just enough plays. And that's despite uh, a very uh, tightly officiated game. Uh, I think that might be one way to put it. There are certainly other ways to put it as well that I think really made it hard for either team to, to, to find a real flow. Uh, but the Raiders have their best offensive showing of the season in a time where they had to have it. They absolutely had to have it. Uh, I think they got uh, some things figured out. Uh, not necessarily figured out, but they figured out some things that at least worked in that particular game that might be beneficial uh, moving forward uh, in terms of some of the things they were doing down the field um, and whatnot. And uh, and now you're all of a sudden at 6-5 and five and in a pretty solid spot with, with a, a winnable game uh, on Sunday against the Washington football team that, that we're going to see tonight. Um, on Monday Night Football, so they're going to be on a short week. So now you 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 you, you have to, there's potential. The, the trajectory has changed. They needed to have that victory, and they had it thanks to a timely offensive performance. I was very very surprised, and and um, but but here we are, uh, and now the, the right back in the mix. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon on Twitter. He is Sam Gordon. Works for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Does tremendous work uh, over there. And and Sam, you said you were surprised. Um, but you know, when, when you think back to some of our conversations that we had last week, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you know, we kept saying that, you know, every time you, you would talk your way, what's going on, can this thing get fixed? And it all boiled down to just playing efficient football. And that's what they did on Thursday. Yeah, no, they did. They, they absolutely did. There was, I mean, turnovers, taking care of the ball, uh, ball control, getting the ball to playmakers at different levels, mixing things up. Uh, in terms of the run and pass, being able to have some kind of presence on the ground, all right? It was a long game. It was a long, long game with all the flags, with all the penalties, the conditioning, everything about it. There was, I mean, again, there were still a lot of penalties both ways. We understand that. But for the most part, situational football executing and opening up the playbook, which is something I think everybody uh, wanted to see happen or was surprised that had stopped happening uh, just a few weeks ago after a couple really good offensive showings. You got to, you got to pushing the ball back down the field. I know, Vinny, we had talked, I believe it was our podcast, or maybe on the show, about the possibility of a defensive pass interference when you go down the field. Well, look how many pass interference plays penalties came into play for the Raiders uh, on Sunday. There are good things that happen when you when you open up the playbook and are a little bit more aggressive, like we saw earlier in the season. I thought Derek Carr was, was tremendous, um, got, got back to playing the kind of football uh, he was playing at the beginning of the year. And again, you know, defensively, opportunistic uh, situational football, making plays situationally, Bending but not breaking. Yes, Dallas did score 33 points, but that run game that Dallas had is 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 that was non-existent. And there are stats out there for days about how much better Dak Prescott is and how much better the Cowboys are when they can run the ball. When the Raiders took that away from them and made Dak Prescott beat them through the air, he's more than capable, but he wasn't quite good enough uh, to get it done with the way the Raiders' offense was playing. So yes, much more efficient football, uh, much better execution on both ends. And, uh, and now you're right, like I said, you're right back in the mix. Vinny. After all that's happened, the ups and downs, the highs and lows of the season, you're going into December with a chance to be right there in the wild card mix. Um, and even the division isn't ridiculous, although you're going to need some help there 
Um, the, the Raiders are going to have opportunities to, to make the playoffs. All is not lost by any means. You mentioned um, being more aggressive. You mentioned uh, the pass interference uh, calls. And, you know, it was it – was, you don't want to make excuses, uh, but I thought it was a valid explanation. You know, when, when you think about the, the slump that the Raiders' offense was in, yes, there was a lot of self-inflicted wounds, um, you know, penalties, untimely penalties that really sabotaged drives or aided the drives of their opponents – uh, but but the you know taking chances downfield, the being aggressive, the stretching the field was pretty much non-existent uh, th- during those three game th- that three game losing streak. And it's I don't yep. believe in coincidences. Uh, and it was simultaneous to the Raiders losing Henry Ruggs. And I you know it wasn't going to happen overnight that Deshaun Jackson was just going to settle in and be. A, a viable replacement for what they lost in rugs. It was going to take time for him to get acclimated, uh, to get comfortable, and for some semblance of chemistry uh, to to develop with him and, and Derek Carr. But the more I looked at the calendar, the more I realized there's plenty of time for that to happen. It's just not going to happen overnight, and the Raiders just have to kind of bide their time uh, and try to win games until that can happen. Um, it did, and I think that they're in a good place right now, and I think that's going to continue uh, to to build during the course of the year. What are your thoughts on what Deshaun Jackson brought to the table on Thursday and moving forward, what he's going to be able to add? Yeah, I think he was a total game changer. I think we saw uh, for the first time really since since Henry Ruggs was part of this offense a, a, a true vertical threat that, that – yeah, we, we know he was on the team the last couple of weeks, to your point, Vinny, but he wasn't out. You didn't have to account for him. The snaps were, he's playing fewer snaps. There was just going to be a limited uh, number of options of what he was able to do. But but having him on the field, having him it, it clearly an integral part of the game plan early on, um, doing different things with him schematically, lining him up on different spots on the field to take to affect certain coverages and open up throwing lanes uh, at other levels. If, if you can, you don't need the 100 yards and the touchdown every single time, just like we saw with Rugs. You didn't need that every single time you just need somebody that can be a part of the game plan to open other guys up and i think you got the product you got both on, on thursday and if you can get one or the other uh every sunday uh or every monday or whatever dates they plan on the rest of the year if you can get one or the other i think you're in pretty good shape so yeah i, I do think that there's going to be some natural timing that has to develop and, and things take time and 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 it was certainly we're aware of that now because that the offense was so flat it was a polar opposite of what we saw um, on Thanksgiving, but but as, as far as Jackson's concerned, um, I, I, he's certainly more than capable of having another game or two like this um, down the stretch, and I expect the Raiders to feature him um, in at least ways that can, can help open up some of the receivers underneath, like Hunter Renfro, who had the best game of his career, uh, and, and, and even a guy like Jay Jones, who was a contributor on Sunday as well, so he's going to be more and more part of this receiving core, and, and I thought, I was, I thought the, the use of him on Thursday, the way he was implemented was, was very, very important into what the Raiders got done. Well, to put it in perspective, Deshaun Jackson played 42 snaps on Thursday of a possible 87. By the way, the 87 snaps that what did we talk about last week when they had, I thought, the well, maybe 44 snaps total for the Raiders' whole offense against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was somewhere in the 40s, so which is ridiculous. You're not going to win football games unless you're scoring every time, you know, uh, uh, you know, every other play uh, of those 40-some-odd plays. But it just shows you that Deshaun Jackson now, you know, getting close to 50% of the snaps uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, I don't know if it'll increase by much uh, down the stretch, but, you know, 50% of the snaps along with Zay Jones getting his 60, that's a nice combination right there. But the key to it all, uh, Sam, is the 87 total snaps that the Raiders got offensively. I know part of that was in overtime, but they were on a great pace in terms of the plays, and it was what they weren't doing in the previous two games uh, when they got beat by um, you know the, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and, and, and the um, Cincinnati Bengals. They dominate the time of possession, Vinny. It's, you know, 39 minutes to 26 minutes. When you're able to control the ball like that and limit uh, the, the opportunities that a very good Dallas team is going to have with the ball – a team that even went out, uh, Amari Cooper and, and C.D. Lamb, a team that has viable receiving threats and a very good quarterback in Dak Prescott. You want to keep that off the, uh, offense off the field as much as possible and make sure your defense is fresh at the end of games. And what did we see, Vinny? We saw a fresh defense at the end of the game that's able to force a punt promptly when it needs to, that's able to come up with key sacks uh, down the stretch, that's able to, to, to hold the defense or to hold Dallas's offense um, to field goals instead of touchdowns. 
uh, in big situations. It, it, it all works hand-in-hand, complementary uh, football. And then because of the, the way the passing game was so effective, you're able to run the ball uh, as well and have the best rushing output of the season. Josh Jacobs with, with 87 yards and the touchdown on 22 carries. Finally, um, he looks like more like the player we saw in 2019. And in general, you, you rush 35 times for 143 yards. You'll take that especially considering how little they were able to run the ball uh, the previous few weeks in this season in general. So everything kind of played a role. It, it all worked um, hand in hand. And, 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 again, the Raiders are right there. They are, they are right there um, and, and controlling the clock, controlling the tempo of the game, dictating the pace, limiting possessions, uh, the 39 minutes time of possession. I think a huge part of that is it, it, was, it was the opposite against Cincinnati and they flip the formula and are able to execute it on Thursday. I concur, and now the key is bottling it up uh, and taking it with them the rest of the way. Starting on Sunday against the Washington football team, if the Raiders can play efficient, complimentary football uh, Sunday like they've done on Thursday, I think they'll be in really good shape. Sam Gordon, thanks so much for your time, uh, and always appreciate the uh, insight and enlightenment. Truly appreciate it. Uh, Take care of yourself, and uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you within the next couple of days, Samuel. All right, no doubt, but appreciate it, guys. Uh, talk soon. You got it. That's Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, and, again, you could read all of his stuff on Vegas Nation and VegasNation.com. Um, so just go download the app. It's Vegas Nation. Or on the computer, go to VegasNation.com. You know who else is a great friend of ours? Q Myers. Uh, and he's over at the Underground Lounge at the Oyo Hotel getting ready uh, for the Washington football team, who we were just talking about, playing the Seattle Seahawks, who really need a win to kind of jump back into this thing. I don't know if it's still possible, if there's still time left, but uh, anytime you have Russell Wilson, you got a chance. Uh, Q, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Love hanging out here at the Oyo. The Underground Lounge is the location. Again, the drinks are flowing. The food is is coming out fast and furious. It's hot. It's ready to roll. And uh, as you mentioned, man, the Seahawks and the Washington football team are going to be on these big screens. So uh, very excited about the opportunity. Very excited for all the folks that come on by and hang out. Already gave out a bunch of prizes, and uh, I'm willing to give out some more. All you got to do is come on by, say what's up, sit it on down, watch a little bit of football with us, and, and yeah, you'll just get hooked up just like that. And I got the hookup. I mean, I'm talking T-shirts, koozies. Uh, I got tickets. I got sunglasses. I mean, I don't know how many sunglasses you're going to need right now because it's kind of cold outside, at least in the morning. But I still got you covered, man. So it's, it's a good time out here. It was a little chilly this morning. Man, uh, you ain't lying. I wore a hoodie to bed, huh. man. I'm, hey, uh. man, I came out of Texas. You know, this weekend I was in Texas the whole weekend, and I woke up this morning. I had a hoodie on and sweats on, and I didn't want to get out of bed. It was so cold. I was used to the humidity back in Texas, yeah, and I'm good. Exactly. Hey, Q, uh, I was just talking to Sam Gordon, uh, our good friend over the Las Vegas yeah. Review Journal. Um, check this out. So the Raiders this week, or last week, I guess we should say, uh, against the um, Dallas Cowboys ran 87 plays. They had 47 plays the week before. We were talking about how um, Deshaun Jackson played 41 snaps on Thursday against the Cowboys. They had 47 total snaps Mm -hmm. against the Bengals. It just shows you um, how important it is. Possession, drives, plays. That's it's everything that they weren't doing. Uh, the previous two weeks that they finally were able to put back together against the Cowboys. Right, exactly. And the funny thing about it is, man, they, I mean, against the Bengals, they weren't doing anything offensively. And then even when they did, and Rich Bisacci has pointed this out a couple times, that one drive where they scored a touchdown, it was in three plays. So <laughs> right. they still weren't on the field very long, yep. you know? So they never gave the defense a chance to rest. They just they just didn't, man. And, and you said it. I heard the end of the interview. There's no chance that you're going to win games if you're only running 40-something plays offensively. You're just not going to unless you're striking on three plays every single time. And that's not going to happen. No. So, um, well – it was it was good news for the Raiders uh, to get back on track. Uh, we we'd been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. How important just playing efficient football, complementary football, and I th- I thought it was crystallized uh, in that overtime where great job by the coverage on on kickoff team. Uh, yep. A penalty aided them, you know, backed them down to the seven. Three and out by the defense punt. Um, you know, the Raiders get the ball. They march downfield. Yes, there was a penalty involved, but whatever. You know, guard the yep. guy. Defend the guy. Right. Uh, and then Daniel Carlson for the game winner. That's what you have to do. And uh, a fresh defense helps. <laughs> you know, yes. they weren't their, – their tongues weren't dragging off the ground like they had been in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs or the Bengals. They had enough left in the tank to go make a stand that they had to have to start overtime. Uh, and then Derek Carr and the offense did the rest. 
Right, exactly. I mean, the defense really did a heck of a job from the beginning of the game. The Raiders won the toss. They deferred. Uh, they got a three and out and got the ball and went right down the field and scored. That's when D-Jax got into the end zone. That was impressive. Getting the ball coming out of the locker room. I mean, that, everything was impressive by the defense. The offense, they had moments where they sputtered. They had to settle for three instead of getting seven. I thought that that was going to come back to bite them. Eventually it did because they ended up going to overtime where they really could have stepped on their neck early, but they didn't get it done. But they still found a way to win, so that's great. You'd rather have issues to clean up coming off a win than having issues to clean up coming off a loss. By the way, <laughs> Daniel Carlson kicking like he did with the, with the uh, what do you have, food poisoning. Yeah, he had the bubble guts. It was a little bit, he got graphic on us, Q. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He said he, was, he might have had to wear a diaper. <laughs> An adult the, diaper. It's the first time I've ever heard a professional athlete talk about adult. But but it was. He's a kicker, man. He's a kicker. You know, they're, they're, they're different creatures, man. They are. Uh, <laughs> but it all made, like it was, like it just shows you, though, the length that he would have gone to be right. on that field. So, yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Good on Daniel. I didn't need to hear it, but, you know, whatever. It's all good, uh, and we respect uh, the effort. Q, what do you got going on uh, at the underground? Uh, I just have a lot of hookup, man. That's that's the main thing right here is a lot of hookup, T-shirts, koozies, sunglasses. Uh, we have calendars. We have all kind of hookup. We have the best seats in the house. Uh, we'll come and get you laced up with the best seats wherever you can sit in front of a great TV and see the action going on tonight. I'm excited about this game, Seattle and Washington. Uh, I like Russell Wilson a lot, and then I want to kind of scout, like you mentioned earlier, the Washington football team, seeing what the Raiders are going to be going up against on Sunday. Their defense isn't quite as good as it was earlier in the season. No Chase Young. There's other guys that are going to be out, so there's – I mean, this is a game, again, on Sunday, I hate to just go ahead and pencil it in, but I feel like this is a game the Raiders should win because they're the better team, but you have to go get it done. It's not about what I'm talking about or, or who has more talent. You've got to go get it done in the field. So it'll be a fun night watching uh, here at the Oyo, the Underground Lounge, what the Washington football team could bring to the table on Sunday. Are in the no doubt about it, and you are in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Our guy Q is over at the Underground Lounge at the Oyo Hotel, so go check him out. It's a great scene. We'll talk to you on the other side. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Speaking of Lincolns, Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma, former Oklahoma coach, now USC uh, head football coach, great hire by USC, game changer for the program, game changer for the Pac-12, and we're all about West Coast uh, football uh, here in Las Vegas because, let's face it, we are a suburb of Los Angeles, uh, a lot of Californians uh, here in uh, Southern Nevada. But check this out, man. Lincoln Riley just completely just cashed in on this. I'm reading the, the, the contract details. All right, so this is from Robert Hefner. Lincoln Riley, USC contract details. Not confirmed, best I could do, uh, but I'm here to tell you that this is accurate. Uh, $110 million in totality. Uh, but in addition to that, and I don't know what the years are, but it's $110 million, the value of the contract. In addition, USC is buying both of his homes in Norman for $500,000. By the way, Lincoln, why do you have two homes in Lincoln? I'm, or excuse me, in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm not going to... Uh, speculate on why he might need two houses but whatever uh good for him and uh, maybe one's like a ranch or something like that that you go check out on the horses and yeah i'm being stereotypical of uh oklahoma right now so anyway usc is buying both of his homes in norman oklahoma for five hundred thousand dollars uh over the asking price so that's basically a one million dollar bonus right there they are also buying him a six million dollar home in Los Angeles for he and his family. Uh, $6 million, believe it or not, will get you very far uh, in Los Angeles. So he's not going to be hurting in, in terms of uh, where he's going to be living. I'm sure it's going to be Manhattan Beach. I'm just guessing. Uh, and then also, as part of this contract, he has unlimited use of the private jet, the USC private jet, 24-7 for he and his family. Unlimited use of the private jet, 24-7. Damon, first things first. I'm bringing in our great producer, Damon Cotton, here. You have unlimited use of a private jet. Where are you going first? Well, I don't know. Maybe he should get on the recruiting trail. I don't know where he should be. But you know he needs that private jet for, right? 
What's to that? run away from the SEC because that's what he's doing. Oklahoma said they're going to the SEC. Lincoln Riley got a little scared. He started like fishing out there to see if who wants him. Oh, let's go to USC. Get a little easier in the Pac-12, an easier path to the uh, to the college football playoff. And I'm all for and that. He is running. He is running to the Pac-12 to get yeah, away from the SEC. And, and I'm all that's for where that. Private jet's taking him. And I'm all for that. And here's why. Um, you know, coaches have such little say in a lot of the bigger issues uh, around, especially college football. Like, I would venture to say if you were to uh, gauge, uh, you know, coaches in top conferences, they don't want the conference championship. They don't want a, another extra game. And in addition to now going to, you know, play uh, a, 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 a bowl game, all of that. They don't want that. Who wants that? The school presidents. Why do the school presidents want that? Because they make a boatload of money off of those games that go to the schools, number one. Number two, I'm with Lincoln Riley. I think Oklahoma made the biggest blunder of all going to the SEC, as did Texas going to the SEC. They had life wonderful in the Big 12, which is where they belong. They don't belong in the SEC. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's not right for either one of those schools, except for one reason or one thing, money. So that wasn't the the Texas coach, whoever, Sarkeesian, um, and before him, Tom Herman and 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 Lincoln Riley. If, if you were to ask those coaches, where do you want to be? You want to be in this conference um, that you know the terrain, you know the teams, it's traditional, it's all that, or do you want to go to the SEC? I guarantee you they want to stay where they are. You want to call it being afraid of the SEC? He's not afraid of anybody. He could out-coach. All of those guys, maybe oh, except yeah. for Saban. Why, okay, if you would have told Oklahoma, hey, you can do a home and home with Alabama, I'm sure he would have said no. No, no, no. I, no he would have. No, you know who would have said no? Alabama would have said no. They don't ever go anywhere to play a football game. They they stay right in their little region all the time. Um, so I think it would be more Oklahoma, or excuse me, Alabama saying no to that because they say no to everybody in that regard. Even neutral field, he didn't want to see Bama. Uh Oklahoma's never been afraid to go play anybody anywhere, unlike the SEC. But I, I agree with him because it's just it's a it's it, that SEC now. How many teams are going to be in the SEC? Sixteen, I think it is. Or uh, it's going to be hard to get out of there undefeated. Yeah, and it's just it's it's all for money, and it's all for the schools to put money into their pockets. I get it, but from from his perspective, it makes total sense. First of all, you're getting paid, so you're getting the bag, and that's great. Uh, but you go to California now where your USC is it in California. And he's already going to line up recruit after recruit after recruit. All he has to do is build a fence uh, around California, and he's going to be fine. And then you go get some kids from Texas, and he still has connections uh, over in that part of the world that he's going to bring some. not going to be hard to talk a kid from Texas into coming to California or a kid from Oklahoma into coming from California. Uh, a lot harder to ask the kid from California to go to uh, to, to those two places. And I'm saying that I just spent a weekend uh, or, or you know th- uh, a few days in Dallas, Texas, outside of te- outside of Dallas, not impressed with Texas. I'm not just not impressed with Texas. So uh, anyway, um, I, I, I applaud USC for making this bold of a move, and I think Lincoln Riley made the right move for him. I wasn't in favor of Oklahoma moving to the SEC. It just doesn't make any sense except for financial sense for the school. But if you're the coach there, you're like, what? Come on. Uh, anyway, you're in the huddle of any Bonsignor. Uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. I was ready, getting ready to say Lincoln Kennedy, but he's back tomorrow. Can't wait to see uh, our good friend Lincoln Kennedy. I know he was fired up about that win over the Dallas Cowboys. In the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Monday.